Our next talk is by Leslie Aiello. Uh, she's of the Venner Grand Foundation in Chicago. Uh, and her talk is entitled Bipedalism and the Evolution of the Genus Homo. What, what I want to do is take you back uh, to the mid-1960s and uh, to this particular bone. Now, this is a toe bone. Uh, it's uh, your big toe bone. And what's very interesting about this is what you can tell about the fossils uh, and about the capabilities of the fossils from very small bits of material. Now, th this is Olduvai hominid tan. It was found in 1961 by Lewis and Mary Leakey at Olduvai. And it comes from the upper part of bed one, so it's slightly more recent than two million years. And what's interesting about this bone you can tell from this bone that whoever owned that bone had a bipedal form of locomotion that was very similar to our own. Now, remember, this is 1.9, 1.8 million years ago. And the, 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 the reason that you can tell this was pointed out by Michael Day and John Napier, two of the leading early formative uh, comparative anatomists in the field of uh, human bipedal lo locomotion. And what they simply pointed out is that this toe bone had a little twist on it. Now, uh, if you uh, can compare the lateral torsion on the toe bone, and you have uh, two human populations here, you have chimpanzees and gorillas here, you have Olduvai hominid 10, the homo bone, right here within the human range of variation. Now, what this tells you is that, again, whoever owned this bone was walking in a very similar fashion to ourselves. We have the differences between the uh, human and ape foot, and we have the, tra uh, the force transfer through the human foot, where we hit on the heel, roll over to the lateral side of the foot, uh, roll onto the ball of the foot, and twist off with the big toe. It's something very, very uh, different from what we see in the chimpanzees. And uh, again, is a very important factor here. You have uh, the chimpanzee foot, coming up with a mid-tarsal break, and then rolling over as uh, the force rolls uh, through the foot. In the human foot, the foot acts like a solid lever. And th th this is because of the structure, of course, of the lateral side of the foot. This old hominid 10, this toe bone, was published two years after uh, Leaky Tobias and Napier. Uh, published uh, Homo uh, habilis. And ho Homo habilis, part, part of the paratype, was the olivi hominid foot. And what was uh, happening at that particular time, our idea of human evolution was very, very much different. At the uh, time that uh, Leakey, Tobias, and Napier published Homo habilis, uh, we knew of the robust Australopithecines from South Africa, Australopithecus africanus from South Africa, and uh, Lewis and Mary had just discovered Paranthropus boisei or Zinjanthropus boisei. The picture from the Illustrated London News, when it was first discovered, they actually thought Zinjanthropus was on the straight line to Homo. And of course, this changed very rapidly as soon as the Homo habilis fossils were, were discovered. But at this time, if we move back to the late 1960s, early 1970s, our idea about what was going on in relation to human evolution and relation to the evolution of uh, bipedal locomotion was very, very different than what we have uh, today. 
Uh, no, no one's yet mentioned Ramapithecus. When I was a student in the 1960s, Ramapithecus was the first hominid, dated about 14 million years ago. And even though there were no fossils in between, it was a straight line from Ramapithecus all the way up to Homo sapiens. And uh, what was interesting about it is they reconstructed this bipedal image of Ramapithecus from that amount of fossils. And uh, if you sort of followed the, the line of argument, uh, Ramapithecus was supposed to have a small canine tooth because it had a small canine tooth that couldn't protect itself, so it would have had to have used stone tools. And if it used stone tools, it would have had to have walked upright to use those stone tools. And so, you know, from that amount of fossils, you get that reconstruction. But also note that the reconstruction has an opposable toe. And the, 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 this comes from uh, work that goes way back into the 30s. Because uh, b before the 1960s, there was very, very little known about the postcranial skeleton of any of the fossil hominids. And a lot of our ideas about the evolution of bipedalism came from comparative anatomy. And the main theory was proposed by D D Dudley Morton in the mid-1930s. And you went from a chimpanzee-type, very mobile foot to a gorilloid foot, and we've into a fully modern human foot. And uh, what Louis Leakey was doing was desperately trying to position Homo habilis as the first member of our genus Homo. You, you, you can see in this chart that even it's called Australopithecus habilis here. And this came from a very well-known textbook at the time, uh, David Pilbeam's Ascent of Man. Uh, Louis Leakey was busily trying to convince us that these rather scrappy skull bones had a very large uh, cranial capacity, that the dentition was very much more human-like than uh, you had in the Australopithecines, and the hand bones had the manipulative ability that would be suitable for tool use. The Olduvai hominid eight foot was part of this. And what uh, he was stressing at that time was the very strong... Uh, uh, first met, met metatarsal uh, that would e indicate that weight transfer as you were pushing off, but also very robust lateral metatarsals, and that you had the locking mechanism uh, be be between the um, cuboid and your calcaneus here that would lock your foot into that lever that allowed you to push off in a very efficient uh, lo locomotion. Now, uh, uh, if, if you do an uh, analysis of uh, some of the tarsal bones, you find that the Olduvai hominid foot isn't fully modern. And uh, the, the, the reason for this is the morphology of the talus here and leading into the navicular on the medial side of the foot. Uh, when uh, Nate Napier and Davis were uh, publishing this, they, they actually commented on it, but they emphasized this very human mobility of this foot because they were very interested in establishing Homo habilis as the earliest uh, member of our genus. And in le le later years, Michael Day, who was my PhD advisor, actually said that they probably overstressed the human, uh, the human motion in, in this foot because of the fact that they were trying to establish this as homo. 
Now, uh, what, what I found uh, quite interesting, uh, the fossils from the site of Demonese, Homo georgicus or early uh, Homo erectus, dating about 1.7 to 1.8 million years, the earliest hominids uh, out of Africa. The foot bones that we have uh, for the Demonese material aren't identical to modern human feet. This is work that was recently published by Herman Ponser and the rest of the Demonese team. And here, here you have the Demonese foot. And again, remember, as you roll your weight around, push off on your big toe. That first met, uh, metatarsal is very robust. In humans, it has uh, a very expanded head to it, reflecting that force that you push off with. Uh, chimpanzees have a very small head. The, some of the Australopithecines that we have for first metal tarsals for, again, re relatively gracile heads. The Demonese fossils also have extremely gracile heads. What, what really excited me about this paper was actually this diagram. Because here you have a, a, a modern foot, and you, you have the line of force going along the first met metatarsal. The Demonese foot is reconstructed with the line of force going between the first metatarsal and the second metatarsal. Now, th th there's a very interesting structural reason for this, and this is the torsion in your tibia. Because in a, a modern Homo sapiens, we have a lateral torsion in the tibia that automatically places our feet in an, with an outward direction. And what's uh, fascinating about the Demonese material is the typical torsion is less. So the foot doesn't point out as laterally as, much as it does in humans. And that this is uh, more than likely responsible for the relatively gracile first metal tarsal. In other words, they're transmitting the force over the foot in a different fashion than we would. Now, we, we don't understand why this is so. But uh, what uh, it tells us is that something's going on here. And uh, even when you get into this early Homo erectus stage, uh, where you have assumingly a body form that's much more similar to ourselves than to the earlier Australopithecines, there's uh, something very different going on in the mechanics of walking. Uh, also, we, we should notice here is the difference in the talus. Uh, earlier on today, we were talking about variations in the form of the trochula. And there's a very strong difference between Homo habilis and the, the Demonese material having a very much more modern shape of the talus. Now, we actually should have known this because B B Bernard Wood, who's sitting somewhere in, in the back, in 1974, published a multivariate analysis showing that the Olduvai talus is not similar to modern humans, but it's actually much more similar to the only talus we knew at that time that belonged to a robust Australopithecine from South Africa. Now, of course, th th things are very different now in terms of our d ideas of human evolution in comparison to where they were 40 years ago. It's been pointed out we now have 22 or 23 species, depending how, how you count. Uh, what, one of the uh, interesting things also is the Ramapithecus here is now no longer directly related to the hominid line. Okay, uh, what, what I mentioned so far, De Demonisi, early Homo erectus, ER813 is a uh, Homo-type uh, talus coming from Cobifora. Uh, you have Olduvai hominidate, the Homo habilis, and you have the robust Australopithecine. And depending how you classify them, you lump all of these into Homo, 
or as some have su suggested, the Olduvai hominid talus is uh, Australopithecus robustus or a robust Australopithecine. It's been misclassified. Uh, these all come from this very interesting time period of around 1.8 to 2 million years ago. Now, we have Australopithecus sediba. Uh, uh, with with uh, sediba, uh, you have this very interesting foot where, again, the talus is quite human-like. We've heard about the pelvis that's extremely uh, human-like, but also about the heel bone, the calcaneus, that's almost ape-like in its anatomy. And you, you have a very mobile subtalar joint. Now, something's different is going on here. And what the question is, is how many different forms of bipedalism do you have leading up to this period at two million years ago? And also uh, in terms of uh, evolution, is Sediba actually an ancestor of the Homo line? Or are they two parallel, three parallel lines? In terms of how many alternatives to ourselves do we have existing in this particular time period? In, in terms of a fairly modern morphology of the foot, we, we can take it back to about 2.3 million years with uh, more, more material coming from uh, the Omo, which is just north of Cobifora. You have a, a very modern talus, and very importantly, you have a very modern calcaneus. But if you move back for, for, from this, things become very, very sparse. Uh, we, we, we've heard about Australopithecus afarensis and having a, a number of different foot bones and uh, the attempts of people to reconstruct this into a composite foot. The only other reasonably complete foot we have is the little foot specimen from member two at Stirkfontein. And I put a very long time span in here because you've had dates anywhere from four million all the way up to about 2.2 million years for the little foot specimen. We, we, we really don't have any idea where it goes, but it's pro probably somewhere in this three to uh, perhaps a, a little bit more recent time period. What uh, I uh, w was able to do with one of my PhD students, Will Harcourt-Smith, a few years ago, is actually analyze the little foot material. And we used th th 3D uh, mor morphometrics on it. And uh, we're able to compare some of the tarsal bones with little foot to the uh, Hadar composite material and to Olduvai hominid 10. And uh, when you look, look at the analysis, the meta-analysis of these bones, it's not too exciting. They're all right there in the middle between the uh, African apes, humans, here are the orangutans. But if you do a exact randomization or comparative analysis, some very interesting results popped out of this. The yellow histogram here is uh, comparing every, it's in the, the interspecific comparison, so comparing every modern human to every modern human, every chimpanzee to every modern, uh, every other chimpanzee. It gives you what the interspecific range of variation is. Uh, the blue is when you compare different species. And the Olduvai foot is very similar to Littlefoot. So Littlefoot was found at Stirkfontein. It's uh, in deposits slightly older than Australopithecus africanus found at Stirkfontein. Uh, if you compare Olduvai hominid 8 to the uh, afarensis material, or if you compare Littlefoot 
to the afarensis material. They're so different from each other. They couldn't have come, based on the range of variation we know in living species, from the same species, and by inference, the same locomotor pattern. So at least between these three feet that we have you know, some de- de- degree of associated ma- material with, we seem to have at, at least two different patterns and possibly three different patterns. Now, a- another very uh, interesting thing with this is when Little Fit was first published, it was published with the opposable toe, which actually is a very similar, almost identical diagram to Dudley Morton's middle evolutionary uh, stage in, in the uh, hypothetical evolution of the foot. When we went and looked at the middle caneiform, the little foot SCW571 actually had uh, no indication of opposability in it. But the Hadar specimen, uh, the Australopithecus afarensis, uh, did seem to have an indication of any of the, this material that it did have a slighter degree of opposability than you would find in the other foot specimens. So if we come back to summarize this, what we seem to have is the little foot specimen coming from somewhere in this region having a quite close correspondence with the Olduvai foot. Uh, the t- talus has uh, strong degrees of similarity, the n- n- navicular, and into the m- middle caneiform. The odd one out is the Africanus composite foot. So the, the, the question is, is you know, do we actually have two and possibly three different patterns of bipedalism coming up through this time period where we have so many species of hominids where we don't have associated skull adult material and where uh, we, we actually don't know what the relationships between one and another are. The other foot that we have, of course, is Ardipithecus. And this is much older, coming from about 4.4 million years ago. And earlier today, it's been pointed out that it has this very remarkable grasping foot. Uh, When Ardipithecus was published, it was argued that this completely changed our interpretation of the uh, evolution of the human line, that no longer did we have a chimp-like ancestor, but chimps were specialized as well as the other African apes, and what the core basal type of hominid would be would be Ardipithecus, with this very strange anatomy, this very big, very robust grasping toe. And of course, this would overturn the old Dudley Morton uh, idea of chimp-like to a more gorilloid to a more human type of foot. Now, before you get too excited about this, remember what happened to Ramapithecus, that it was sort of uh, exiled from being a hominid ancestor. Look at the evolutionary tree here. This is the group of uh, fossils we've been talking about, Australopithecus, early Homo. This corresponds to this part of the evolutionary tree. The older specimens here are over here. And look at the range of other Miocene apes and other fossils we have. I mean, it's a very crowded geography here. Here we have Ardipithecus. Do you know what Oreopithecus bamboli is? Look look how far far this is in in terms of the evolutionary distance from the hominids. Oreopithecus was one of the most complete skeletons when I, I was a student in the 1960s. It's a beautiful specimen. And this is the reconstruction that was done of Oreopithecus. Notice the bipedality. 
notice the similarity with Ardipithecus. In fact, they could, could actually be sisters in terms of the way, way they're drawn here. And what's very interesting about this is the, the Ardipithecus foot is uh, extremely similar to the Ardipithecus foot. What's, what, what, what's going on? If uh, Ardipithecus is changing our idea about the uh, evolution of lo- locomotion, was Ardipithecus a parallel evolutionary de- de- development? Uh, we actually don't know. And the, 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 this, I think, is one of the most important comparisons that has to be made in terms of informing our idea about the evolution of bipedalism, is what is Ardipithecus doing there that seems to be so similar to this new and exciting specimen that's being called one of the earliest uh, uh, representatives of the human line. So, in summary, then, there's a number of extremely important questions. What's this difference between R.D. and Ardipithecus? Uh, what's uh, Australopithecus sediba telling us about the number of, uh, and variety of bipedalism we have going on at this time? And what, one, one of the things that I'm extremely I- interested in that just disappeared was uh, what's happening post-homo erectus, and when did we actually get a postcranial skeleton, bipedal locomotion, that we would recognize as identical to ourselves? Now, one question that we haven't addressed at all in this conference is why did bipedalism evolve in the first place? You know, why are we standing on two legs? Because it is a huge change in our uh, anatomy. So please come up forward with some questions at the end. Thank you very much.